0: The tomb is empty. Man, hear me. Our God is alive. He went to the cross. He died for you and for me. And he rose again from the dead. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. Great to be celebrating with you that we have a God who blesses. And and again, ladies, just a shout out to you. Happy Mother's Day. May this just be a time of relaxation today and enjoyment. May you truly experience the God who brings blessing, and hope. Man, he is for you. You are not alone. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, man, we're closing out a series today. We've been in this series called Take Hold. We launched it Easter Sunday. I know it feels like we launched it three years ago with all that's been going on with COVID and just, it seems like it just takes so long to get through one day or one week. But uh, yeah, we're closing down this series here. It's called Take Hold. Launched it Easter Sunday. It was all about what it meant for those ladies to fall at Jesus' feet, throwing their arms around his feet and his legs and crying out worship and celebration to him as they took hold hold scripture says true worship where we are on our knees and we're making much of God we looked at what it meant to have life because of all that Christ did in his death for us causing our sin to have a place of coverage and payment that our sin can be paid for praise God for his death on the cross and the work that he did there fulfilling what we owed that we might be saved the work on the cross But more than that, the work in the resurrected tomb that Jesus is alive. He is risen, man. And we have hope because of him. And we have life because of him. Jesus Christ, he brings that life promise of life eternal. May we celebrate him with all we've got. And then we looked at what it meant when Christ ascended into the heavens that he would send the Holy Spirit We have God with us, God the Holy Spirit, present right here. We are not alone. He is right here with us. He is for us. He is comforting. He is guiding. He is teaching. He is healing. He is restoring God with us. We are not alone. And then last week, we looked at what it meant to have a church on fire, to be able to have a church that celebrates God with all we've got. We are the called out ones, the ecclesia. And the privilege of what that means and God doing this huge work in them early in the church as he started rallying first the Jewish people and then all nations. And that takes us to what we're going to look at today. Praise God that the church is for every tribe, tongue, and nation. May we take hold of the God who is calling us and rallying us to a church universal, a church celebratory that is All tribes, tongues, and nations coming to him. May we recognize Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only one. The way, the truth, and the life. And as we lean on him and any who lean on him from every nation, saved. So that's what we're looking at today as God continues to call in the book of Acts, all those together who are willing to trust in him. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 as we celebrate today that he invites the whole world to this church. Acts chapter 11. So how do we respond to the God who's bringing people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to worship him as Lord and Savior? Well, point number one, glorify God for his plan to call believers from every nation. Glorify God for his plan to call believers from every nation. You know, up until this point in Acts chapter 11, you're seeing people come to trust in Christ. You're seeing God doing amazing things. But just so you know, up until then, it had basically been Jewish people being saved. Jewish people coming to trust Christ as Messiah, hope, king. He is the one that they're worshiping. These Jews coming to trust him and praise God for that. But he's about ready to bust it wide open. And Peter was called to be able to go and talk to the Gentiles. And just so we really understand the big deal to this, the Gentiles were somebody that the Jews should not be interacting with. Old Testament law said, be careful, stay apart from, so that your God has the whole of your soul. And the Jewish nation was to rally together with the Jewish nation, not with all of those nations around that were trying to do life in their own way, right? And so staying away from the Gentiles, they were declared unclean. You shouldn't be there with them. You shouldn't be somehow taking on their worship. And, and then Peter comes in to share. And we're going to see the whole story unfold here as he tells it out. So let's jump in Acts chapter 11. As the disciples were beginning to see Gentiles coming to trust. It says, now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. They had received the word of God. They were stunned with what was going on. They heard this word that somehow the Gentiles are coming to trust Christ. How can this be? It says, so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, well, there was a collection of them together that ended up saying they were the circumcision party and they criticized him and they had a few words, a choice words for him as they challenged him. They said, you went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them. Now, to you and me, we hear that and we're like, and? Like, so what? And yeah, they're spreading the gospel, but the reality is he went and he broke Old Testament law. He went to people who weren't at that time trusting in any way in a God. They didn't understand who Jesus was. They were unclean in what they ate and he went and hung out with them. That's what a good Jew was not supposed to do. The Jewish people firmly thought that Jesus Christ was the hope for the Jewish people up until this moment. And so they had a serious challenge for Peter. But Peter began and explained to them in order, right? Everybody say, in order. In order, right? May have missed the uptake. Everybody say, in order. It's a really big deal. Peter's like, no, you need to understand exactly how God worked here. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and I was in a trance, and I saw a vision. It was something like a great sheet descending down, and it, it, it was being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it actually came down in front of me. He's like, I'm just telling you, I saw this huge sheet coming down from heaven. It was stunning what was going on. And then I looked closer at it, and as I looked closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. All right. Everybody just say, uh-oh. All right. Peter began to see what they would have seen as unclean. These are all things that the Jewish people viewed as unclean based on Old Testament scripture. And he's like, I'm just telling you, on this sheet, I saw all these unclean elements. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, as we walk through the rest of the story, you're going to have to imagine yourself as a good Jew who would have nothing to do with the, Jewish, the non-Jewish people. You would have nothing to do with unclean animals. You would certainly have nothing to do with eating these things. And you then would have nothing to do with going to Gentiles and sitting in their house. There's a bit of disgust that's going on as they're listening and a bit of not believing it. And so as Peter says, the, I was told, rise and kill and eat. You can only imagine how many of them immediately crossed their arms and furrowed their brow like, oh, come on. What are you talking about? Like, that's not law. And you're saying you had a vision. God often spoke to them in visions and dreams and, and made things clear, but they're like, I don't think this was from God. Like, you're being told to break the law. Imagine as we go forward now, you're one of these Jewish people. It says, that he was told to rise and to eat. Peter then responds, no, no, Lord, right? Peter's typical response, right? How many times have we seen Peter challenged, and he always ends up saying, it can't be, and no, I'm not going to go that way. Peter's like, no, Lord, nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth like, I've never broken this law of eating unclean stuff. And I'm not going to start eating the things that were on that sheet. And I'm not going to go after that. And, but the voice answered to me. It answered in loud measure, right? He was hearing this voice firmly coming down from heaven. It said, what God has made clean, do not call common." What God has made clean, do not call common. Now, first of all, Peter's very aware this is a message from God. Maybe it's an angel crying out. Maybe it's the voice of God himself, Jesus thundering it forth, whatever. He is very aware this is God calling him to do it. And the statement says, what God has made clean, do not call common. Now, just so we're clear, what do you mean God made it clean? Like the Old Testament says, all this stuff is unclean. When? did God make it clean? Answer, at the cross with Jesus Christ. When Jesus declared, it is finished. What's finished? Man, the whole of the law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We better grasp that. The whole of the law, all of that which was unclean is now made clean. All of those calls and commands for us to follow and obey are done and fulfilled in the perfection of Jesus Christ. We have hope. Know this, man. It is absolutely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The whole of the law is done and over. Praise God for that. And so God is now declaring forth, just so you know, these things are all clean. And what I used to declare unclean is now clean through the cross. It's ready to rock. And why is that important? Because as he starts to call together the church and he brings from every tribe, tongue, and nation, he is actually rallying in all of the unclean to now be cleansed and clean, doing a miracle work in their heart. As God begins to save the church and bring Gentiles in, it's pretty important that we recognize God's got a view well beyond the narrow cleanness laws of the Old Testament law. Jesus has ushered in a new era. And all of God's people said. And don't miss the uptake on that. And all of God's people said, amen. We have a hope in Jesus Christ. We have life in our king. And we can be declared clean. It said, this happened three times. And, all, and then all was drawn up again into heaven. Three times over. Now, Peter kind of needs the three time plan right? We saw that so many times with Peter, right? He was challenged on the night that Christ was going to the cross, right? And three times over, you're one that was with him. And no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then the rooster crowed three times. And then after that, when Jesus is talking to Peter and he's like, Peter, love my sheep, love my sheep, love my sheep. And Peter always seems to find a way to say, no, Lord. I got a better plan, or here's what I'm thinking, or this is my expectation, and I love that in this moment, Peter finally figured out that by the third time of anything, he needs to get it in line, right? And so Peter now being told third time over, no, seriously, what you think is unclean is actually now declared clean because of the cross. Get to it, get on it. Three times over, there was a cleanness element, and Peter said, and behold, why did he say that? Again, you got to imagine the Jewish listeners as they're listening to Peter describe this. And he's like, I'm telling you, he said, go. He said, eat. I'm telling you, he said, go. He said, eat. I'm telling you, he said, go. He said, eat. They're like, no. No, it wouldn't have happened. No. Peter's like, and behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, check it out. Right? Peter's like, and check this out out. Behold, he says, uh, at that very moment, Peter recognizes that timing is often how God works. Have you noticed that? That when God is moving in your life, often the timing of it speaks massively to God working in your life. And at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were uh, sent to me. Then they were sent to me from This other town, this other hope from Caesarea. This is just up the waterway. Caesarea is a little bit above Joppa. And so they were sent down to come and get a hold of them. These three men, right as this gets done, the third time over of go after the unclean. There's a banging on the door from people from Caesarea. And they're now coming to see if they can get Peter. It says, and the spirit told me that I was to go with them, making no distinction. Imagine you're one of those Jews. What? What do you mean he said to make no distinction? Come on, man, you're violating law. Can you see what my hands just did? There had to be a moment where you start to get a little whiny. Come on, man, what are you saying? What are you telling us? And, and then he points to the guys around him. He's like, these six brothers also accompanied me. Dude, I wasn't alone. Like there's some witnesses to this whole thing. I'm telling you, they were with me and these six, they accompanied me. And and we went to the man's house. We entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel, the angel standing in his house. And the angel said to him, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. Now I'm just saying, when you walk into a house, and you're like, I'm not sure I'm supposed to be here, but God told me that I need to pay attention. And now I walk this way up to Caesarea, miles away, and when I show up there, I enter the house, and the first thing the guy says is, there was an angel I'm leaning in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what all you're going to tell me right now, but I need to hear what you're going to say. And he's like, there was an angel, and the angel told me to send for Simon Peter, and Peter's heart had to start beating. He's like, dude, I'm here. Like, what are we going to do? And now Peter's hanging with him. Peter's heard the story of this angel. And he says, the angel then said, he will declare to you a message by which you will be saved. You and your household. Now Peter knows why he's there. You're going to send a message to him and you're going to help him to know and understand what it is to be saved. First of all, can you imagine being that Gentile guy? Angel says, I'm going to get a message to you. Send for Simon Peter. He'll tell you exactly what to do. I have no idea why God chooses to work through us other than to just give us the great privilege of seeing him work. But know this, there are times where God so chooses To work with us and through us to help bring the message to this world and all of God's people said and a huge hope there and so Peter ends up being told yeah I was told to actually get you so you can tell me how to be saved imagine what you as these Jews are now thinking Uh, okay keep going angel and you're supposed to give message of salvation we're willing to hear it bring it He says, so I began to speak. I was sharing with them and the Holy Spirit fell on them. Just imagine your facial expression in that moment where you believe only the Jews are going to be saved and you believe the Holy Spirit is just for the Jews. And he says, so I began to share the message of salvation. And in that moment, I'm telling you the Holy Spirit fell on them. You go, okay, come on. There has to be a jaw dropping. I'm not sure I believe this. You've got to be kidding me. And uh, He's like, yeah, I'm just telling you. I began to speak. The Holy Spirit fell on them. And he came like on us at the beginning. It was just like Acts chapter two. It was just like we're sitting there. And then all of a sudden we have the spirit with us. That's what was going on with them. They were sitting there. They were asking questions. Then all of a sudden they had the Holy Spirit on them. It says, and I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's like, and then I got it. First, I trust in Christ and I'm believing and the Holy Spirit comes on me. And now I get to share out the message of Christ and as they trust in Christ, now the Holy Spirit comes on them. I'm seeing what the baptism of the Spirit means. This is what it looks like. And it's not just held for the Jews, it's being shared out with all, including the Gentiles, every nation, every tribe, having representatives that are going to trust Christ. It says, basically at that point, that there was amazing hope. And uh, he says, I, I gave the, if the Spirit gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who am I that I should end up calling out God and saying, I stand against you? Like, who am I to take a stand against God's way? Like, I'm not going to tell God, I- I'm sorry, God, you can't work this way. Is that what you wanted me to say, guys? Just so you know, this is a moment where he is challenging the incredulous looks in the room. He's like, God, you can't seriously ask me to, to be turning to them and saying, I- I'm sorry. My faith doesn't allow for what just happened here. Like, you can't ask me to do that. God's doing a huge work and he moved in them like he's moved in us and who are we all but created beings and we all need a savior. He's like, you can't ask me to stand in the way of what God is doing. He said, when they heard these things, they fell silent. No more words. No more back talking. No more jaw dropped or incredulous looks. They went quiet and then they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles, God is given. Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Dude, you got to let those words sit thunderously. Then to the Gentiles, they just gave up everything they stood for for centuries and everything they've been raised with. This is for the Jew only and you have to come across to full Jewishness or there is no salvation. You come get right with God by coming and looking like us. And all of a sudden it became all of anyone who comes to represent and trust Jesus Christ saved leads to life. Man, this is the beginning of the church going international made God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, and it says literally, and they glorified God. I love that. Here's the catch though. All too often when we hear that word, um, what does it really mean? Have you ever noticed that there are so many words in scripture where we accept it and we're like, okay, great, awesome. And then if you really had to give a definition, you're like, I don't know. Like, what does it mean to glorify God? How do we do that? I thought I'd just give a couple of definitions real fast, all right? Here's five ways to glorify God. Five ways to glorify God. Let's make sure we lock these in in our life as we go to glorify. This is what was going on in their life. Number one, surrender. Surrender. There is no glorifying God if we don't surrender to him as Lord and King. And that's how we glorify him. You're in charge. Surrender. God, I'm letting you lead. I confess you as my Lord. Saved right? Truly, we glorify God when we are saved. Surrender. And uh, number two, steward. You know, when we manage our time, when we manage our thoughts, when we manage our possessions, as God gives to us monetarily, so we give back to him monetarily a little of it, right? We call that first fruits giving. May God get all the glory as we steward our time, our money, our possessions, our thought life, everything. How we steward says so much of what we think of our God. Did you know that? You glorify God with your every breath you breathe and how you spend it stewarding and uh, surrender steward Uh, here's a third one watch we glorify God by opening our eyes and watching him work by looking to see what he's going to do and being in awe along the way Lord I can't wait to see what you do next that glorifies God I guarantee you one of the steps of this Jewish people as they heard about the Gentiles coming to trust was all right Let's see what happens next. They're opening their eyes and their minds up huge to what God might do. Surrender, steward, watch. Number four, celebrate. There is a massive celebration. There is joy, there is laughter, there is clapping, there is tears of laughter as you are making much of your God. True glorifying of God does bring celebration. And I will say, usually it even brings some volume. Getting it up making much of your God and figuring out how to do that in your life in various ways. Surrender, steward, watch, celebrate. And then the last one I put down is, and grow. As we hear from him in his word, as we hear from him challenging us, convicting us privately, as we respond to that and say, you're in charge, I'm going to do what you have to say as we grow. That is glorifying God. They dropped to their knees in full surrender. They gave up all of their attentions. Their stewardship was massively focused. They were watching their God do a work. They were celebrating with all they had. And they're like, Lord, change me, grow me. I get that I had a view towards what you were going to do with your church. And now I see it so much bigger I'm in. Massive growth moment for them. This is what it looks like to glorify. You know, uh. Johann Sebastian Bach uh, loved music. obviously, great composer. And uh, this was a quote of his. He said, "All music should have no other aim than the glory of God and the refreshment of the soul." All music should have no other aim than the glory of God and the refreshment of the soul." And I love that focus. I love the pump there, man. May we celebrate with music. May we have a blast with music. Make sure your music glorifies God along the way. But he took it very seriously. In fact, at the beginning of every one of his compositions, he wrote JJ. It stands for Jesus Yuva. Jesus Yuva. Jesus, help me. At the beginning of writing every one of his pieces, he would say, Lord, help me. This is for you. Lord, help me. And then as he finished it, he would write, S-D-G, soli dea gratia, to God alone be the praise. Lord, help me. And then at the end of it, to you be the praise. Man, may we take that example for how to glorify God. May we bookend our days. May we bookend our every involvement with the Lord help me, may this be about you. And when it's done, Lord, thank you for being there. May you get all the glory. That's glorifying God, fully invested in making it all about him. Hey, simple question. How are you doing at glorifying God Almighty? How are you doing at celebrating the God who is calling us to be able to be a part of the church? Get this man, our entire church, 3000 plus people, we're all Gentiles, man. Like none of it happens if this didn't come down. Praise God that he opened it up for all the nations. How are you doing at glorifying your God with your life? May he get all the glory. All right, point number two, share. Share the hope that you have in Jesus with all who will listen. Share the hope that you have in Jesus with all who will listen. As we pick it up now, says, now, those who were uh, scattered, those who were scattered by the stoning of Stephen, just so we remember this now, there is a punishment that came down. Stephen, he believed in Jesus Christ. He took a stand with Christ. And as he took this stand, there were those who were trying to get him to rebel against Christ, and he would not. And as he basically got to his knees and said, no, I stand with my Savior, they ended up stoning him to death. This man of God that the early church was rallying around, they ended up stoning him because he would not negate who Jesus Christ was and Man, I'm telling you, that brought a thunderous concern to the church. Up until then, the church had been growing in Jerusalem and even some of Judea just by growing naturally through the word of mouth. But then all of a sudden, Stephen was brought before uh, this government grouping of officials and they were like, we've had it. Now deny him and denounce him. And when he wouldn't, he was stoned to death. Word ripped that if you stand for Jesus Christ, you might lose your life. And they all began to spread out everywhere because of the persecution that was beginning to take place. They scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. And uh, isn't it amazing how often God uses persecution, ready, to grow the church. And remember this, Jesus did promise us, I will build my church. Please note, here is not what he said. Not, right? Everybody say not. Say it louder, say it bigger. Everybody say not. Right. Here's what he did not say. I will make your life unbelievably comfortable and there will never be any struggle. That's not what he said, man. And in the moments where we go through some heartache and trial, in the moments where we go through these questioning seasons and times that we're in right now, In the moments that we start walking through tough persecution or struggle, know this, God is usually using those moments and seeing those moments bring more souls to him. Man, may we recognize that he is building his church. And may we celebrate and praise God for that. He literally is saying that under the persecution of Stephen, there was purpose and intent. That wasn't an accident as they now were spreading out all over the place. It says that they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. That's hundreds and hundreds of miles. Cyprus, that's an island out in the Mediterranean. And and they've traveled to like Antioch, this horrible, sinful city. that has got a ton of Gentiles in it and a ton of prostitution and filth and sin going on. But there was also some Jews there. And they went to these places trying to lock up with other friends, other family that were Jewish. It says they were speaking the word to no one except the Jews. Remember, most of the Jewish people still understood that the plan was Jesus Christ for the Jews only. And for any who would want to proselytize and come across to the Jewish faith, fine. You can be saved as well. But it's our faith Come to the Jewish faith. And so they were sharing of Jesus Christ as Messiah. They were sharing what went on with Stephen. They were sharing of the persecution, but only with the Jews, but they were taking their stand for Jesus nonetheless. Then it says, but there were some of them at Cyprus and Cyrene, of Cyprus and Cyrene, who basically went about sharing in Antioch. They went to share in Antioch, and it says they spoke to the Hellenists, they spoke to the Greeks. They spoke to the business people. They spoke to the people who were not practicing the Jewish faith, who were not living a clean life, who were not even moral in nature, but they were sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. He is the one and only way. And all of God's people said, amen, man, praise God that they saw what God was doing. They heard a little bit about Peter. They were aware of some of what was going on and they shared the truth with the Hellenists. It says, and they also... We're preaching the Lord Jesus. They're like, I'm telling you this. This Jesus Christ, you may not know him, you may not understand him, you may not even understand all the Old Testament law that was fulfilled in him, but he is God Almighty. Man, he died on the cross and he lived a perfect life. He didn't deserve it at all. And he died, but he died for a reason for my sin to be covered, for your sin to be covered. He is the Lamb of God, and he rose again three days later. He is alive. This is who Jesus Christ is. That's what they were preaching to the Hellenists. Believe in the one who was risen from the dead. There is all power and authority in him and he forgives sin. They were bringing this hope to the Hellenists and people were being saved. It was amazing what was going on. It says and the hand of the Lord was with them and uh, there was massive numbers of people that were given over to believing them. It says, and they believed and they turned to the Lord. Just so you know there, it says they believed and turned to the Lord, right? So you see the two words, believed and turned. Almost like they're different, but just so you know in the original language, that believed word is in the ING form. And believing they turned to the Lord. There was a sense of them grasping and understanding he is God, he died, he rose, he is awesomely king. He has my sin and my forgiveness in hand. I believe that and knowing that I turn from sin and I'm going to the Lord. They confessed him as Lord. It's the same as Romans 10. They believed and they confessed. This believed is actually in the ING and believing they turned to the Lord. There is a massive salvation moment here. I love that these guys were sharing the truth of Jesus Christ and the hope that they had in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of heartache. Yes, he died on the cross, but yes, he rose again. Yes, there is persecution, but God is growing his church. I'm telling you, my God can do things even in the most deep of heartaches. And all of God's people said, amen. You know, I was looking for a little bit of an illustrator, a story of something that God has been doing in our body. And uh, I received this email just a couple of days back. It was a huge deal, man. And uh, it's uh, from Jimmy and Trisha Olson. And they've had a lot going on. We love you guys. We. Pray for you regularly, and uh, and so much going on in your life, and so many hurts and struggles along the way, but uh, so many joys as well. And I know with little Lena, their little one, they they've, they've uh, had some issues, and the doctors said there were issues with the hips and issues with the feet, and it would probably require surgeries, and we'd have to see how that goes with walking and all those things later. And and uh, it was tough, some big struggles, and you know you guys have been praying through that, and you've been talking with the doctors, and and. Uh, the goal was to have surgery here sometime in the winter or spring and you were trying to get after that and a couple of them didn't work, sicknesses and whatever else and then obviously this COVID virus and things coming up where it just wasn't possible to go after the surgeries and and um. so the email that Tricia sent basically says, I just started praying, Lord God, please, could you make it so that there would be... A little bit of healing here. Could you make it so that there would be no need for surgery? Could you do something like, could you at least blow away the doctors and nurses with who you are? Could you do that? And Lord, we long for you to do a work and, and, um, you know, some different circumstances happened and the limitation of who could be in the hospital and all those kinds of things. But, um, Trisha being called to go get some tests done, ended up going up with Lena to get the tests done. And and as they got those tests taken, they were waiting for the doctor to come back in, and Trisha was praying, This Lord, we put this in your hands, right? My God can, my God will, right? And even if he doesn't, but God, we long for you and we'll worship you. And the doctor walked back in with a pretty bizarre facial expression. And I'm just gonna read the email at this point. She says, the doctor walked in with his team in disbelief. Today, as he showed me an image of two perfectly placed hips, complete healing done. She says, not only that, but he does not feel her feet are gonna need surgery now either. There's been a complete recovery there. It says, I just sat there and laughed because I was so very thankful for the answer of yes. Man, please hear me. We glorify God with our laughter. We glorify God with our celebration and we glorify God with our celebration when he chooses to answer yes and when he chooses to answer hang on whatever. I love that this is a moment of answer yes and for our church, please hear me. We are in moments where we're hearing a lot of no or hang on. This is a yes. And all of God's people said, man, celebrate that. Know this, our God heals. And whatever it means for future, what it definitely means for now, healed in the moment, no surgery needed. God has a plan and he's making some statements made. This is what she said after that. I have been praying for us to be able to show Jesus to this staff. Well, I think that happened, right? Right. And uh, she was able to celebrate that. She says, this is the second time that he has shown his mighty hand with little Lena healed. Praise God for that, man. May we celebrate that our God is a healing God and that our God moves. My God can. My God will. And in this case, my God did. And all of God's people said, amen, man. May we worship our king whether he calls to walk us through the persecution or he calls to give us a little reprieve and give us a healing moment, may we recognize that our God is sovereign king and may we celebrate him with all we've got. Man, may we share that hope of Jesus Christ. That is our saving God and king. And all of God's people said, amen. So simple challenge for you, who? Who might God be calling you to share with? Who might God be calling you to get real and transparent with? What? What might he be calling you to share? Maybe it's just the gospel message, plain and simple. Maybe it's some thunderous statement of God moving in your life recently and you are stunned and the doctors are looking and all they can say is, it's a miracle. We don't know. We can't explain it. That's an awesome moment, man. Whatever God's calling you to share from the celebration of salvation and what that plan is all the way to God working in moments in your life. Share who Jesus is. And all of God's people said, amen. And number three, partner. Partner with your God to build his church locally and worldwide. Partner with your God to build his church locally and worldwide worldwide we now see it pick up with this expansion plan if you will it says the report came to them and the people of the church the ears of the church were hearing this in jerusalem and they were fired up they were in awe right they were celebrating so they sent barnabas to antioch they hear that there's this whole church building up of gentiles and they're like barnabas go check it out why barnabas We don't know, it doesn't say here, but Barnabas is a guy who has the Holy Spirit just powerfully working in him. Barnabas is a guy who has this massive compassion for the hurting and for others. And probably Barnabas was also saying, I'd love to go and do that, right? So they sent Barnabas to Antioch to see what's going on. Just so you know, part of partnering is that we send. They sent Barnabas. And men, we as a church We love to partner with other churches. We love to be sending down to Haiti and taking care of needs there and partnering there. May we send and may we support and encourage along the way. May we rally around the church that God might get the glory. And uh, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. It says, and when he came, he saw the grace of God and he was glad. To me, that just seems like the ultimate understatement. (laughs) I can't even imagine. You walk in and you see a bunch of unclean Gentiles. They're not, they're not following the Jewish traditions and rituals of dress or even of food or coat or anything like that. But they are talking about the greatness of Jesus Christ. They are worshiping and they are praising him. There are people saved all over the place in this gathering and they are in awe of their God. He is smiling from ear to ear. He is celebrating and glorifying God. He's glad. And then he had some words to say. He exhorted them all And this could be the most palpable moment in this whole message for us. To remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And please hear me. Our purpose is not our own comfort. Our purpose is that Jesus Christ is calling out ecclesia, ecclesia, He is calling out representatives from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he is building his church. And he uses moments of struggle and heartache for us to learn to be able to set some things down and to hang in there tough. Man, whatever your struggle is, whether it's the loneliness or the heartache or just the daily ritual or just the locked up inside or whatever the pieces are you're going through, the loss of job, the sicknesses, the loss of loved ones, may we recognize that we need to remain steadfast, remain hanging on with him, faithful, clinging with steadfast purposefulness. May God get all the glory. That's our battle cry, to remain faithful with steadfast purpose as we lift him up. He then says uh, that there was a celebration as others came to trust. Barnabas, it says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of the truth. And he had this faith going on in him that was amazingly on fire. And so he had a great many people who came to trust Christ. They were saved. The numbers were added to massively because Barnabas was now sharing what it also meant to follow Jesus Christ. The church on fire. Barnabas being sent and much happening. Now comes the next piece to partnering together with church. Not only do you send people, but you also teach and glorify God through how you train them up so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. That's the name of the Apostle Paul before he changed his name. So he went and he got the Apostle Paul, this guy who was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He knew the law, but he also knew what it was to trust Christ, and he had been saved recently. This was a man who stood against Christianity and against all that Christ was, but now he's a follower. And so he went and got Saul, and he had him come. He brought him to Antioch, And they were there for a whole year and they were with the church and they taught them there. They were teaching them for a whole year. Can you imagine sitting under the Apostle Paul's teaching with the knowledge of the Pharisaical stuff and the seeing of all that Christ went through and the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy and and this church went on fire as they did some massive discipling and they taught a great many people. It says in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. That word literally means little Christs. Ones who were so following Jesus that when you looked at them, it was like you were seeing Jesus Christ. They were truly worshiping and celebrating, and with all they had, they were trying to be as much as they could and honor to who Christ is. Man, may we live our lives in surrender and in stewardship watching God work, celebrating along the way, looking to grow. That's what these guys were doing. That's what it was to be a little Christ. They were glorifying God with their lives. May God get all the glory. And then the last piece of what you do when you're partnering internationally, not only do you send, not only do you teach, but you also give along the way. It says, now in these days, a prophet came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up And he had some words to say, this Agabus, he foretold through the spirit that there would be a great, a great famine that would be over all the world. Not only was there a persecution of Stephen, now there's going to be a great famine over all the world. And you might say, oh great, what what now? And I'm telling you, God works through, a very fair word to throw here, a pandemic a moment that was going to impact the world and God was using it to be able to spread the word of who he is. May we know this, our God is building his church from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. Man, God has a plan. May we celebrate him. And in the midst of this famine that was worldwide, it says, so the disciples determined every one of them to give according to their share, according to what they had, according to what God had entrusted to them. For those who were entrusted with more, they were able to give a little more. For those who were at that moment entrusted with a little less, they were able to give a little less. But they were able to share from what they had to be able to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did this, sending it to the elders, at the hand of Barnabas and Saul. They partnered together, and they sent care, not unlike what we're doing with what's going on down in Haiti. You know, we planted six churches in Haiti, and we've been able to send some relief to them. And you know, they're in a similar position to us. The churches are not able to meet physically. Some of them have enough technology where they're able to like do Facebook Live. Pastor Abraham and Jack Mel is doing Facebook Live in Haiti. And for those that can get on, they're listening. And and others, they're not able to do that. And so they're trying to follow the rules and get there and visit with each and care for them in whatever way makes sense, getting food to them. We're trying to get foodstuffs down to them. We've got cash flows down to them, partnering with. Man, may we send, may we teach, may we give that God might get all the glory. Why? Because there is one Lord. There is one faith There is one church, there is one God over it all. May he get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen, man. May we take hold of that king. Let's pray.